How's it going? It's going good. Did you get some sleep? Not much. Not much. I don't expect to get much between now and the end of this adventure. Okay, this is it. The last episode with her before Election Day. One final uh, check-in with the candidate. I'm Max Linsky. I met up with Hillary this weekend just after she had hung out with Beyonce and Jay-Z. And we talked about um, the anxiety the country is feeling and whether she feels that weight. We talked about what her mom would make of this moment. And then we talked about what happens next. How's Beyonce? Fabulous. Unbelievable. Like, is there anyone that you could be starstruck for? (laughs) There are still uh, people that I get starstruck about, and it's because of their amazing talent, whether it's in entertainment or sports or any other field. Uh, I like to be around people who are just at the top of their game. And I've been with some amazing entertainers in the last weeks who have been out there on the campaign trail. But last night with uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce was so overwhelmingly energizing that even as tired as I was, I got there, I got to spend some time with them. I met their daughter who is just this adorable, really fun little four and a half year old, she told me. And I had no idea what their show was going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, they were all into it. We said, go and we'll be there to support in any way possible. So when I saw her, she had on the I'm with her t-shirt, but with the uh, big, uh, you know, big black hat, one of her symbols. Yeah, the uh, one from Lemonade. Yeah, that's right. The one from Lemonade. And she had it on the t-shirt. And then when she came out to perform, first she came out with a hat uh, uh, on top of her head with this fabulous pantsuit she had on. And then her backup dancers and singers were all in blue pantsuits with the T-shirt. I was just dumbstruck. I mean, there's that great (laughs) word, gobsmacked. I was gobsmacked. I was sitting there thinking, this is the most amazing performance because so much thought went into it. And what Jay-Z did uh, to bring the other rappers together, the messages on the big screen behind them, vote, 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 vote. Um, This wasn't casual for them. This was really uh, fierce and urgent because they know what's at stake in the election. But it was a great night. Well, I'm sure it was it was meaningful for the stakes, but also just like when Beyonce's rocking a pantsuit. That's just that's just a good night. I couldn't get over it, <laughs> and and it was it, it it both lifted my spirits, but it also just showed me how great this country is. I mean, when I went out there, I don't know, twelve thousand people screaming, jumping, waving their arms for the whole performance from start to finish. I said, this is America. And it made me so happy. But it also reinforced um, what I think is really at the core of this election. And that's who we are as a nation, who we are as Americans. And I don't mean to be sappy or sentimental, but you know, standing up on that stage with them after that amazing show and looking out at the audience, I just felt, oh my gosh, there's so much great positive energy. We just have to keep this going. And not just because of the election, but because of our future. Well, I'm glad you said uh, sappy and sentimental, because I have some sappy and sentimental questions for you. Well, I am the 
kind of queen of, you know, she's, she's the queen. I'm the queen of sappy and sentimental. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get a little sappy <laughs> and sentimental because I have to tell you, everyone that I talk to, uh, they have one question. It's not a big picture question. It's not a vision question. They want to know how you're feeling. I tell you, Max, I, I feel overwhelmed to be just as close as I am uh, to this election and everything that we've done and the tens of millions of people who've put their faith in me and the work that they are doing uh, to try to uh, win this election. It's a huge honor, but it's an enormous responsibility. And I just sometimes am at an event Maybe I'll meet somebody or I'll be introduced by somebody. And I just really almost get a little choked up, a little teary-eyed, because I know how important this election is, and I feel such a obligation to do everything I can not to let people down. So it's both a big high, it's joyous, it's positive. You get to do things like hang out with you know, Jay-Z and Beyonce, and tonight I'll be with Katy Perry, and, you know, Monday night the Obamas and Bill and I will be together. I mean, there are some really exciting high points. Um, but I also know enough about what's happening in the country to realize that this election is critical for so many people to be able to, you know, get, get their lives to be what they want them to be. I think people are also anxious. People are anxious, Max. People tell me they, they've never had migraine headaches. They do now. They have stomach aches. They can't sleep. Do you feel the weight of that anxiety? I feel the total weight of it because I really believe that Donald Trump would be a disaster for everything that I cherish about America. Oh, go ahead. Repeal the Affordable Care Act. Rip away health care from 20 million people. Uh, you know, you just say, what kind of person does that? Who gets up in the morning with all of his privilege and all of his benefits in life and sits around thinking about how he can hurt people and how he can insult people? So yeah, it's a an excruciating uh, lead up to this election because I just don't want more hatefulness and bigotry and our country. We need to be working to get less of it, to heal the divides, not exacerbate them. All right, I told you we we're going to get sappy and emotional. So <laughs> You're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> for you, how does that manifest? I can understand how, what it means for you for so many Americans, but for you, how does that anxiety and the way that people are feeling, how does that affect you? I've had a lot of experience, for better or worse, in uh, the rough and tumble of politics, and I've been the object of such ridiculous and un believable attacks uh, for years now. So none of that bothers me. I, I could care less about that. I, they can say whatever they want to about me, and they do. <laughs> so well, let's be clear, they have. Um, I just worry about everybody else. And I am sort of the designated worrier, uh, not only in my family, but I think now in the country, like I told that uh, really sweet little girl in uh, Las Vegas, Carla, who was so worried about her hardworking parents being deported. And I said, Carla, I want you to concentrate on school and your life, let me be the worrier. And so I do feel the weight of the worry about what will happen to people. I'm not promising that I can wave a magic wand and solve everybody's problems, don't get me wrong. I, I know how complicated this is, but I know I'll get up every day and try and I will keep 
you know, the images and the stories of the people that I've met around the country, you know, as a constant reminder of what I should be trying to do as president. One way that anxiety is manifesting for people, I think, uh, like responsible, healthy people are going out and trying to do something. They're like canvassing and volunteering and trying to do some work. And then there's uh, a different type of person who's maybe um, a little lazier, who's just like sitting and refreshing 538 over and over again. That's true. Are you doing that? No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not because I know a lot of people who are. Uh, a lot of my friends are are sending distress signals. Uh, oh my gosh, you've gone from being ninety two percent to eighty seven percent. I mean, the whole thing is a little bit uh, uh, daunting uh, in the eyes of a lot of um, uh, concerned and caring people. I feel good about where we are. I feel like we have left nothing. Uh, behind in our efforts to organize, to reach out, to get out the vote. Uh, I don't pay close attention to polls uh, when they're good or when they're bad because it can be uh, misleading. It can knock you off your game. Uh, But I understand why people are so anxious that they would be uh, obsessed with that. I would suggest that they maybe take a little break and try to get other people out to vote. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe uh, use their uh, social media accounts and every other forum they have to explain why they're anxious and get people to actually turn out and vote. Uh, All right, you heard it from Hillary Clinton. Stop hitting refresh <laughs> on 538. Well, no, but just don't do it, you know, every 30 seconds. <laughs> okay, fair enough. We played a couple of weeks ago, we played the full audio of your 1969 commencement speech oh wow at wellesley and uh you should listen to it sometime i will i don't know when the last time you was it's uh, you have it was uh remarkable Um, i don't think i've listened to it since 1969 (laughs) well you know whenever you get some time in your schedule you should listen to it it's uh you're a kid you sound like a kid yeah and I, i was wondering listening to that what that kid would think of this moment right now that kid would not have imagined I'd be sitting here talking to you on the brink of a presidential election, that I'm the Democratic nominee in. But that kid would have believed that whatever path her life took, she had to stay active in trying to help people make lives better. And as I said in the speech, uh, you know, we've got to make uh, the impossible possible in politics. And that's what I really believe at root. I never thought until 1998 that I myself would ever even be asked to run for office or that I would think about running for office. And I didn't decide to do that until, you know, mid, late spring of 1999. When was the first time you thought you could be president? Well, I was asked to start thinking about it shortly after I was elected to the Senate, and I thought it was absurd. And I had also made a promise that I would uh, fill out my term in the Senate. Um, so then after the my reelect in 2006, I began to have a steady stream of people saying, oh, you've got to run, you've got to run. And I eventually decided, as we know, to run in 2008, partly because I was so distressed at what I saw happening with the progress that we'd made when my husband was president, the kind of economic progress, and you know everybody's income went up. I mean, it was a really good 
signal about what we could do if we had the right policies. And then I got to the Senate, and it was all slash taxes on the wealthy, trickle-down economics, mm. wage two wars, don't pay for either one of them. It, it, it just was so contrary to what I thought was the right approach. So I jumped into that race, and it was an amazing experience. I learned a lot. Um, and people say, well, why'd you go to the end? And again, it was because I felt like I had an obligation, and it was so close. It was a really, really close primary, uh, as we know. But then President Obama asked me to be Secretary of State, and I thought, okay, that's amazing. I'm not going to do this presidential thing again. And all during the time I was Secretary of State, people, especially the press, say, well, you're gonna, I said, no, you know, I'm done. I'm not going to do it. And then as soon as I got out of the door of being at the State Department, it was like all hands on deck to convince <laughs> me uh, to run. And I was reluctant. I really was. But I warmed, obviously, to the idea because I care deeply about uh, President Obama's legacy, and I want to do everything I can to uh, not only defend it, but go further. This is going to be a change election. The mm -hmm. question is, what kind of change? And I think I offer a really positive uh, agenda that's going to be good for the country and good for Americans. Okay, so that woman at Wellesley, that kid, she wouldn't be able to believe this. What would your mom think, do you think? My dear late mother was with me every step of the way on the 08 campaign. Uh, and she traveled with me. She even did some interviews, which was not her forte. It was very difficult for her. She was so reserved. And it was painful for her. And she lived with us the last years of her life. And she said two things that really uh, made me smile. One was, she said, you know, when you were a little girl, you never gave me any trouble at all. And then you get into politics, and it's just trouble coming from every direction. And the other thing is I would come in from uh, work, because uh, she lived in a, with us in our house in Washington, and she'd be watching Fox News, and she'd be so upset. I said, Mom, stop watching it. It <laughs> makes you so upset. She said, I have to know what they're saying about you. <laughs> I said, well, a lot of what they say is not even true. She said, I know that, but I feel like I have to be prepared. Um, so I miss her a lot. She, um, she would be stunned at Donald Trump. You know, my mother had a really, really tough childhood, and she hated bullies, and she hated people who mistreated other people because she saw that in her own life and the way she was treated. So she would have been just on the front line saying, you know, this is not the kind of person who should be president. What do you think it would have meant to her that her daughter was going to be the first woman elected president? Well, I think given her own life, it would have been a profound joy that she'd been able to give me the love and support that enable me to do what I've done and also build my, my stamina and my ability to withstand criticism coming from suspect sources. So I think she would have had a quiet but profound satisfaction that she had done her job as a mom so much better than her mom and her grandmother had done to her. And I think until the last day of her life, my mother never fully understood why she wasn't loved by her own family, why she was abandoned and rejected. 
I've talked to people who have been in similar situations. I don't think even if you live to be 92, you ever get over feeling abandoned. And the fact that she could take what was a big hole in her heart and fill it with love and support and constructive criticism, which she was quite uh, ready to dish out, I think she would have thought, okay, good job, Hillary. Do you ever let yourself think that? Think. Good job, Hillary. Do you ever take a step back and just say like. I think if all, if all goes well on Tuesday night, yeah, I will think that. <laughs> but you're right, Max. As I've said, I'm sometimes more of a glasses half empty person because I'm always seeing what more can be done and I get uh, focused on that. But uh, this has been such a uh, tough, consequential election that, yes, I, I will be thinking about um, how hard everybody worked. I have had the best team of people. We've put together an extraordinary organization, a startup that really has taken off. And I'll be thinking first, good job that they all did. And then I might say, yeah, you weren't so bad yourself. <laughs> I think you deserve it. <laughs> Hillary, thank you. Thanks. Good luck for the last lot. couple of days. Thanks, Max. Good luck on Tuesday. Let's keep talking. We'll keep talking. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to With Her. I'm Max Linsky. This is the official campaign podcast of Hillary Clinton. She's running for president. Election day is tomorrow, and she deserves your vote. Before we go, I just want to say thanks for listening to this thing. It's been such an honor uh, for me and for Jenna Weiss-Berman, our producer, and our whole team at Pineapple Street Media. And we wanted to take a second and just thank Hillary, Katie Dowd, and Danielle Cantor for making it possible. Okay, see you on the other side.